Helvetia Rocked is a Swiss national association raising awareness about gender inequality in the music industry while supporting, promoting and connecting professional female, inter, non-binary and trans artists. Through its grassroots projects such as producing, DJing, band workshops and songwriting camps, it offers platforms for young people of all levels to discover music and be part of an empowering community. Find out more on our website helvetziarocked.ch Sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. Musicians in Conversation is sponsored by Suiza, the cooperative society of music authors and publishers in Switzerland. everyone, welcome to Helvetia Rocked, Musicians in Conversation. My name's Natalia Anderson and I'm a presenter, content creator and DJ. In this episode of Musicians in Conversation, I'm talking to Jasmine Albash, who is a singer, songwriter and vocal coach. She's also a coach at the Helvetia Rocked Music Lab Beatmaking Workshop. We discuss Jasmine's experience teaching the complete vocal technique and she provides tips to singers to maintain a healthy approach when using their voice. We also talk about her journey to Palestine, connecting her Arabic and Swiss identities and the healing that came from the process. Jasmine shares with us two of her tracks taken from her album Gold and she also answers an audience question. Don't forget, if you have a question for one of our coaches, simply send a direct message to Helvetia Rocked on Instagram. In the meantime, here's my conversation with Jasmine Albash. Hi, this is Jasmine Albash and you're listening to Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. Hi Jasmine, how are you today? I'm very good. Good. Thank you for being here. Thank you, first of all, for allowing us to be in your studio. It's an honour. Thank you. It's a, well, the honour is all mine. So I feel so <laughs> cosy and at home. So thank you for that. Very, very welcome. Um, the first question I have for you is a question I ask everyone, and that is, how did you get started on your musical journey? I started within my family. My mom was singing a lot to us and playing the piano. So, of course, I sang a lot with her and I played a bit the piano. And then I started to play the violin when I was about seven years old. Oh, my God. The violin is <laughs> one of my favorite instruments. I love the um, the learning curve with the violin because it sounds terrible for a long time <laughs> before it sounds good. Exactly. <laughs> you know, my mom was like uh, saying, ah, you, you really want to play the violin? So we're going to check it out. If it really is, it's, if it's horrible, you cannot do it. But if you can like make more or less a sound, okay. And then we went to this professional uh, violin violin player. And I played a bit and she was like, okay, I can take that, you know. So do you still play the violin? No, unfortunately I stopped. You know why? Why? Because I had to read notes and I really hated it. You know, I did everything by ear until a certain point and then uh, I should have learned all the notes. And I was like, no, no, completely block. Yeah. And I learned them much, much later. Wow. So you eventually learned. But I want to pick up on that because I think that sometimes people have... Uh, a real ability to hear music and to connect with it but the moment it comes to like reading music 
it can be such a block for many people. Yeah. It was the same for me. Like I would only read up until the point that I could know what the melody was and then I'll just remember it because yeah. I didn't want to read the music. But how does um how do people sort of stop themselves from thinking, oh, music's not for me because I can't read the music? Like, how do you continue? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I really don't know. I mean, it's difficult. Huh? For me, of course, it was easy because then I, I went more to the singing. And the singing, of course, it's a very auditive uh, instrument. So yeah. you don't really need to learn to read the, the music. So, yeah, I did a bit of a... I sneaked out, but then later when I wanted to study music, I was like, okay, now you have to face it, you know? And it was yeah. much, much later. I was much older and yeah. it was it was a pain in the ass, but in the end it was fantastic, you mm. know? And now I really love it. I love to understand the whole concept. In the end, it's only mathematic, you know? Right. Can you explain that a bit more? Like what, what is the mathematics side of it? Well, it's uh, in the end, not all that we have like 12 notes yeah. and then it's these half notes and then we have the chords that are built up uh, one, three, five, and then maybe you have a seven and all, all this, 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 this whole system allows me to, yeah, to navigate through different keys, to, yeah. to, to, to do the music, to know where I am or what I like to, ah, I just did this, cool, I can uh, reproduce it now or something mm. so do you think it's possible um, maybe the question is just for me is it possible for me as an adult to 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 learn to read music definitely definitely what helped me a lot was the piano because i'm a very visual learner so mm. just to see the piano like the the different keys yes. helped me a lot to understand the relation between the notes you know right. and then i could like adapt it and then and, and still today sometimes i or i remember in my studies i had this case where, with a piano on it case for like uh, like a pencil case yeah exactly oh, cool. and the piano was there and sometimes in the in the <laughs> In the exams, I was like, okay, wait, how many half tones is the third? One, two, three, four. You know? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I love it. So they actually let you into the exam room with a piano pencil totally. case. <laughs> I mean, you always can paint it somewhere. No, this is also easy. But yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that your mum sang a lot around the house. Mm -hmm. um, did that help you to find your own voice? Or did you ever think that oh you know my mum sings and I'm not going to sing just yet or you know what what <laughs> took you how did you get into to discovering your voice and becoming a singer um yeah I would say it was my mom and my sister actually once they told me hey, but you're singing so well you should go to singing lessons when I was about 12 you know and oh, then wow. I yeah and then I started after that so it was quite cool yeah. I got later embarrassed by my mom because she started to play the drums like uh, like um, percussion and then she was always come on do some beats <laughs> yeah. and I was like no I really don't want that um, do a little <laughs> poor my mom she's so project. cool oh my god but do you know what I see myself in her I could I'm already priming my son to like play piano and he's, he's gonna accompany me <laughs> but it's fantastic you know he's still young enough he's still yeah. not in the face where he's uh, embarrassed no? exactly exactly I just can't wait but something about singing is a lot of it is intuitive mm -hmm. and you know we, we're so used to singing in the car or singing along to the radio but then the moment you're going to start to introduce like technique and introduce like the foundations of how to properly use your voice what was that like for you especially as, as a young person well the thing is I had a classical trained uh, teacher that was like like most most teachers at the time no were classical trained so but she really loved pop and musical and jazz mm. so I think it was more about learning songs not about so much about technique maybe a bit about the breathing or oh, something yeah. and that was fine yeah. it didn't like um, 
stop me or something. Mm. It was more for I always missed somebody that I really could like listen to, like you know, a pop singer that I could like uh, co uh, copy her sound or something, and that never happened. So that was a bit of a an issue with this uh -huh. teacher. But she was amazing. I really loved her, and she really gave me confidence. I think this is much more important at this age yeah. that that you feel safe with that person and you can just sing songs and do music together. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you you teach singing now. Yes. Did, did you ever feel that that was going to be a journey for you? Did you ever think that, oh, I'm learning to sing and maybe one day I want to teach somebody singing? Yeah, you know, yeah, I think, I mean, I did the education to be a primary school teacher first. So I was always in teaching and then the, I really wanted to study music. I studied music and I needed money. Of course. So I started to teach also singing and I really loved it. Can I ask you about the, the technique mm -hmm, that you sure. use? What is it called? It's called complete vocal technique. Right. And what is it about that technique that is good for, for singers, for, for people who want to go into singing? It's, it's including all the sounds that a human voice can do. You know, so we talk... We talk opera singing, we talk uh, heavy metal shout screams, and we talk uh, belting, jazz singing, everything. Yeah. And it's uh, scientifically proved, or they do research on the voice a lot, so it's it's always with the proof, you know. They find out something, and then they go the path, they make research, and then suddenly they are like, no, actually we were wrong. Everything you learned the three last years is wrong. No, <laughs> no this can happen, but this yeah. is really nice because it really makes it... Very safe for the singer. Yeah. And very, the singer really can choose what they want to do. Mm. Um, so this I really love because we work really not, not, not like, hey, you have to sing like I do, you know, because this is how singing was taught for a very, very long time and mm -hmm. still is taught. Or there's a lot of experience like that. Yeah. Um, and we really let them choose and, uh, and make it... That, yeah, we are there that they can use the voice very healthy and that they can go on stage night by night and not get sick. Or like, Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. that's what I want to sort of um, dig a bit deeper into because a lot of people um, do use their voice a lot and we need to know that the voice is an instrument as well. So it has to be yeah. taken care of and it has to be used properly. But, you know, like certain... Do you remember there was a time... When so many singers, like public singers, there was like Adele, there was somebody else, and everyone like had vocal nodules mm. and everyone was getting sick from singing. What can a singer do to prevent that sort of thing happening to them? <laughs> I mean, this is really, really individual. Mm. But I would say mainly problems is really like a lack of support. You know how you support with the breath, your voice, your vocal cords, that you don't have too much pressure on them. And yeah. you would feel it as, as soon as it starts to hurt or feel uncomfortable, you're doing something wrong. So right. that's that's number one. Or of course, if you get hoarse after a show, you're doing something wrong. Or then very often volume is a problem, that you're pushing too much and you're too loud. Yeah. And of course, this happens a lot because you have the full band on and maybe you don't hear yourself so well. And then you just push and push and that can be too much. So yeah, there maybe have a better equipment. I don't know. Go for in-ears. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's ways that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for people listening, totally... <laughs> Do not push your voice too much. Listen to your body. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, that's very important. But then also not be scared to do a sound. You know, we always say like, uh, for example, if I do it like, 
You know, this kind Ooh, yeah. of sound. <laughs> Can someone learn how to do that? Yeah, Otherwise, totally. Okay, this is good. what we're teaching as well, you know. And then, of course, many many people are afraid. No, but this is not good for the voice. And we said, yeah, it is. But you just need to do this and this and this. And then yeah. you're going to be fine, you know. Absolutely. Because I've always wondered about, because I like a lot of rock music and yeah. stuff. And I love hearing screams. And But I've always wondered, how do they do that night after night? Yeah. Like, but it's the technique. It's, it's the technique. learning how to do it in a protective way. Exactly, and and we also know where the sound is built. You know, mm. also in the in the larynx, we know it's not everything is not on the vocal cords. Sometimes there are kind of vocal cords above that we call them the the false vocal cords. And right. They when they meet, like when they touch, yeah. it makes this sound. For example, there's a lot of stuff, you know, going on. So, and it's so nice to know it, you know, like, yeah. ah, no, we know it really physically. This is happening. So don't worry, you know, exactly. or worry when this and this is happening. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love that <laughs> nitty gritty Yeah, you always, when it comes to voice stuff. Totally. You always need to think. I, I really like the example of when you pass by a, a schoolyard, you know, where the, there's so many children, they're screaming. They do all the effects that we are learning later again. And they, they do it and they never get horse or a baby screaming five hours. They don't get horse yeah. because they're still very connected with their support, with their diaphragm and with the breath and all that. So yeah, exactly. we just need to relearn. Exactly. That sounds amazing. I think <laughs> I think it's such a wonderful thing, though, like having the voice as an instrument and actually using it the right way and investing time into learning how to use your voice you know yeah it's really 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 nice and it helped me personally a lot also you asked me before how did you find your voice it really helped me a lot to discover and to expand the um, abilities I could do and then it's again very very important to forget it you know you have it in your system you train it in the muscle memory and then forget it and go back to the music to the feeling to the purpose whatever you're singing about yeah it's so important I suppose because Mm -hmm. I think what draws us to a lot of musicians and and singers particularly is the fact that we feel what they're singing and it's an an emotional connection yeah I mean if you sometimes you hear a singer and you're like wow the technique is awesome but it doesn't touch me at all yeah 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 yeah. and and of course when once I remember when I learned I was on stage and was like am I doing now this overdrive thing or what am I doing you know and then it takes you out it takes you out of course and then I mean, this is also normal and it doesn't mean that at that time you're a bad singer, but it's still, it's something else in the music probably. And then later on, it, I was like, okay, now I'm going to forget this shit, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If you are involved in music as a hobby, profession or both, sign up for free on the Helvetia Rocked Music Directory. It's a platform for women, non-binary, trans and intersex people in the Swiss music industry. For singers, instrumentalists, bookers, managers, sound engineers, photographers and many more of all levels. It's about visibility. It's about community. It's about empowerment. We invite all of you to participate in the project. For further information, go to musicdirectory.ch. Right now, you are performing for the first time under your own name. Yes. What is that like? You've been in, in, in groups before. Are you someone who already knew that this was going to be a direction you wanted to go in did you imagine that this was always going to be in your journey Mm, well 
I started, I mean, before I had the, the Richard Kingston project, which, which was basically me and sometimes other musicians, but it was also kind of my solo project, you know, but uh, yeah, I really um, was behind that name. Then later, later I called it the RK. And then the, my last album is very much about my roots. So yeah. I'm Swiss and I'm half Palestinian. And I really digged into this uh, this topic and I really went to Palestine. I, I There was a lot going on and it was extremely beautiful for me, this journey. So this album means a lot to me also, like personally. There yeah. was a lot of inner work and it was so normal, actually. Okay, this is Jasmine Albash. This is not... I remember my sister was saying, uh, when I talked about the change of the name, she was saying, yeah, but who wrote the music? And I said, yeah. Jasmine Albash and she said well done yeah, that's that's what it's going to be called <laughs> yeah and it felt it, it still feels supernatural it's really it's really me I would say yeah. this album so that's uh, it's quite beautiful yeah absolutely yeah. so tell me about the like traveling and going to Palestine and having those sort of cultural connections to to who you are and your identity had you been back before had you been able to go there before this opportunity um no i've never been before the thing is my father and his family they flew um and he grew up in a refugee camp in jordan so he was basically his home was jordan you know still today he went back to live in jordan so he has more like he actually went two years before with me the first time to palestine wow yeah so for me, um, and for me to Jordan, I never really had a connection. Also, like to the Arabic side and my relatives, it was always a bit difficult, you know, like the cultural difference. Mm. I'm a woman and I should behave like this. And I really didn't want to behave like that. And yeah, <laughs> no, I can imagine. Yeah. Anyways, and then uh, later, uh, I remember my cousin. She lives in America. She's so cool. I love her. And she was like, you know what? Forget Jordan. Come to Palestine. And I was like, ah, yeah, maybe. And then... I really had this album in my head. Okay, I want to go and work. And I actually wrote the concept um, to apply for some money, you know, to make the album, to travel there. And yeah. then finally comes uh, Sandro Bernasconi from the Caserne Basel, the music venue, yeah. and asks me after a show, like, hey, do you want to have come with me to Palestine to a project uh, with female artists? And I was like, uh, yes. So you already had something in your brain that you wanted to go there and create. Exactly. And now he comes uh, separately to all of that. Separately. He didn't even know wow. that I'm half Palestinian, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really the universe was yes. delivering, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy shit. Yeah. And then I was, yes, of course. And then this whole thing with my other band, Kalemi, happened. And that, that was actually the first time I went to Palestine. And in a very musical context, because we went to the Palestine Music Expo, which is Showcase Festival. Yeah. And um, it was so beautiful for me to, to go in, in, a, in a world that I feel safe to another culture that I don't feel so safe, mm. you know, and then make the connection there. And then he was in Ramallah and uh, there was an old friend of my father living and they invited me for lunch, you know, so I still could oh, do like nice. some yes. personal connections. Yeah. And um, so that was really great. And of course, what is very strong in this country is, of course, the, the conflict between uh, Israel and Palestinian yeah. and where my grandfather used to live and my grandparents this is all Israeli territory now. Um, we actually went to the village where they had their farm, but all that was destroyed, oh you know? Oh, my God. So, every, yeah. yeah. Of course, it's been really nice and very beautiful and very sad, you know, at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. I can, I'm just trying to imagine those sort of emotions that must have 
come through you mm-hmm. knowing that because it's one thing seeing something on t- television and or, or even on social media uh when you see so many people being displaced and so many people literally having their homes taken away and destroyed um and then but but and it's another thing sort of being there and seeing it with your own eyes and knowing that this is actually where my family used to be mm-hmm. how do you um sort of deal with those emotions and were you able to sort of I don't know filter it or process it and and put it into the music you were making totally Mm. totally it really you know what happened in the end was a was a healing for me yeah personally even though I saw a lot of sad things um or even there's also a lot of sadness in the music um it healed my soul yeah. in a way, you know, I really could connect like this Arabic and the Swiss part together and like, okay, now I'm, I'm whole from now on. I c- can move on as a whole person. Um, and I also wrote a song for my grandparents, which is called I Raise My Voice For You. And basically it's about, hey, you never, because I found it so sad, uh, my aunt uh, explained me that my granddad, he always wanted to go back. You know, he always said, you know, I don't want to buy land in Jordan. It's all dry. Where I come from, there is like, it's green. There is uh, palm trees. It's, it was very near from uh, Tel Aviv now today. So the sea was near and he died and he could never go back oh. to his home. Yeah. And then I said, okay, in the song, it's basically about, okay, you cannot say anything. You, you couldn't, you couldn't, didn't have the chance. So I can raise my voice and explain at least your story. Yeah. You know, that's wonderful. That's so wonderful for his legacy, I think. Yeah. And for your family to have something like that. It was also very beautiful. Also, the like when I did this album, it was also beautiful, as you say, for my family, you know. Also for my aunts, they were like, oh, wow, she's really, yeah, whatever, doing. (laughs) (laughs) And I was calling them. I wanted that they explain me how it was and how they felt, blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyhow, this was a beautiful movement within our family as well yeah yeah and I love the fact that you said you know you're connecting your Swiss side and your Palestinian side and 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 becoming feeling whole Mm -hmm. you know I think that's such an important journey not just for artists but just for people in general like definitely I I, I truly believe there's something so important about going looking back and looking at our family history looking back to our cultural identity and where we're from in order to understand ourselves and understand our future, mm-hmm. you know. So I really, I really appreciate that you've uh, explained that in your story. Yeah, I think also it's really important. And yeah, as you say, not only for artists, for everyone. And there's more and more people living this reality, you know. Mm. So it's very important. And I don't think it's important the whole life. No, it's a certain moment of your life when it's really have to look at it. Absolutely. And then from there you can go on and then create whatever, you know, yeah. because we're still free spirits no yeah exactly so that's uh exactly so i think this will be a good time to listen to one of your songs from the album this first track that we're going to hear is called going out to see you what what is this song about first of all what is going out to see you about yeah it's actually about fighting with yourself you know Uh (laughs) it's like going out to see you you're doing the same mistake again you know you're like you're in this uh vicious loop like a vicious circle where you just do the same shit ever and you're not happy and then you do it again and you do it again it's about that well let's have a listen to going out to see you Oh uh-huh. 
So you mentioned uh, before your band Kalemi. The music director of Kasana Basel came to you with this idea for a project and that was to put you together with Palestinian musicians and like a Palestinian and Basel uh, crossover. Exactly. So what, what was... Uh, what was the first meeting like? How did that work? We went there with uh, with Lanefera, actually. Yes. That will also be in the podcast. Yes, you will. Exactly. <laughs> so we were there um, in this Palestine Music Expo. And then we were actually looking for women, you know, like women in, doing music. And of course, there were very few. We found Rasha Nahas and Mai Sadao. Luckily, they said yes. And yeah. th- then we met the first time in uh, Ramallah for a week. So, of course, there is no rehearsing spaces. There is no sound systems. So one of them, they both actually live in Israel, mm-hmm. in Haifa. Um, and they, so they have Israeli passport. But the, we met in Ramallah, which is Palestinian territory. Yes. And then we, we rented a flat. And we, one of them brought the sound system to the living room um, and we just recorded and played in this living room, you know. Amazing. (laughs) But I love the fact that, so because my imagination was that there was already people on the other side in Palestine that you knew you were going to work with. But this was like, no, no, you you were going to search for musicians. So you didn't even know what it was going to sound like. No, no, we had no idea. Wow. And then we, I mean, and then in this week, of course, we kind of fell in love, love with each other. It yeah. was, it's just fantastic. They're just all fantastic human beings. I love that. And uh, we had crazy, a really crazy time. And then one problem we faced that we were three singers and one rapper. And, uh, you know, we tried to work before online and to send us ideas, but this didn't work out at all. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, who of you sp- plays another instrument? Because we need, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> A cappella? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then one yeah. said, yeah, you know, I play the percussion, Russia plays the guitar, and, you know, and I did some electronics. I brought my loop station and stuff, yeah. and this is how we worked. Very, very basic. And we came from all different music and it, it was hard. What was communication like? First of all, are you all, are you all speaking in English together? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah. then personalities and I suppose everyone's coming from a different experience and a different angles. How did you manage to gel? I think the word <laughs> is, you know, what were some of the difficulties that you mentioned? I mean... I don't know. We we were just there. We were just doing music and beautiful things came out and probably that's what connected us. And I mean, yeah. they're also sweethearts, but they also were on another... I mean, for example, Russia is, I don't know, 10, 15 years younger than me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was really like they were staying up till late and I went to bed a bit earlier, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All this shit. And uh, they were sleeping until 12. I already had to wrote, written two songs, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then we woke them up with the loop station, putting the music and they were like, oh, this is cool. And then we make coffee and then, you know, and then we took the car of Misa. We went to eat some amazing hummus and falafel. And, you know, this is how we did it. I don't know. And then you're in this city that is so different than what you know, of course. And I don't know, it really glued us together on on a beautiful way. Yeah. And, you know, this it was meant to be a project so it would it was meant to be finished so one week Ramallah one week Basel and then a show in the caserne but then in the, after the second week it was clear no no we're gonna go on because yeah. it's so much fun so much fun and you've had quite a lot of success in the sense that like opportunities to play yeah we did yeah. where did you get to play 
Well, we played. Invited to play, yeah, we, we did a, a Switzerland a tour, like we were in Lausanne and then Winterthur Music Festival. And of course, the Open Air Basel maybe was already called Polyphone Festival. I'm not sure. Then we went, of course, to a Palestine tour. Yeah. And we were invited to Canada to the Toronto Music uh, Week or something. And we were invited to Glastonbury twice and to Fusion. And of course, it didn't happen because of the oh, pandemic. And our pandemic. heart is bleeding still. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. But that is such a... Did you even imagine that you would be having all these opportunities no. based on this thing, which, as you say, started off as a project? Never, never. No, no, it was... I really didn't think anything it was just oh yeah going to palestine good for me because i want to go to palestine yeah, you know and then you i i get a whole other thing you know that yeah. i didn't ask for actually it just was a big gift that fell into my hands yeah, so exactly <laughs> yeah. and what was it like playing for people in palestine and even comparing with like a swiss audience what was that like for you they are very emotional i would say they're a very good audience it's very beautiful to play there they're very thankful you can also feel that there's not so much going on like in our places no yeah and so they're they're really cool yeah of course it's also if you go to the stage uh, the microphone breaks nobody has a battery that you if you, one, one battery goes out you know it's 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 chaos yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean as as someone who's used to you know maybe like the swiss side of things yeah. and, you know I mean I'm still blown away by studios when I go in and I press a button and oh my god it works the first time <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh my god this is amazing and all the cables are great you know I mean how wh what was that like for you did you have to kind of I don't know slow down your pace to accept that there's gonna be those elements of chaos and things outside of your control definitely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I really learned to be patient a bit more mm. yeah <laughs> was there anything in particular that you learned from the other musicians, specifically the Palestinian musicians, like maybe part of their approach to music or was there anything that you learned from them? Mm -hmm. A lot, actually. Like from Misa, actually from both, they're very good uh, lyricists. They write so beautiful. And then also Misa always explained in Arabic, for example, you have about 50 words for, the, for, for love, you know? So it's so poetic and then uh, how she writes or, um, yeah, the, the thoughts behind her writing are very, very impressive and I learned a lot. And also Russia uh, writes beautiful lyrics. So they're both, yeah, pretty amazing, you know. Our podcast uh, this season is sponsored in part by Suiza. That led us to think about the, the ways in which a musician and an artist can make money. What are some of the ways that you have been able to make money from music? Mm, I really think Suiza is a big part. Mm -hmm. You know, once you get out there played by the radios or have something in the TV, that's really, really fantastic. And also, of course, playing shows gives you money. Yeah. Um, although not too much. And uh, if you're some in the band, no, you will get not a lot. Yeah. And I mean, I could not survive from playing. I survived by teaching or having other jobs. Yeah, that's what I tend to hear a lot, actually, with these uh, these discussions. Mm -hmm. The possibility is there to make money from music, but sometimes it also has to be supplemented. Yes, for sure. You know? Yeah. 
Because you work a lot with the, you know, you, you're a coach at Hell Vetsy Rocks. What, what is the uh, workshops that you coach? Uh, the beat making. The beat making mm-hmm. one. What is that like for you seeing like young people coming in and sort of being at the beginning of their journey mm-hmm. and learning? What what do you get out of it? Oh, I, I just love it when they when when they start to have this joy, you know, they listen to their own track and they're like, oh my God, I did that, yeah. you know. <laughs> and they suddenly start, the, the world is opening up and to see that in their faces is the most beautiful thing, really. Absolutely. Right, let's take this time to ask an audience question. This question is from Sandra and it's a, a get sort of about money situation. How do you discuss payment? Um, and I think payment in terms of when you're going to perform, mm-hmm. um, they say, do you have any guidelines, personal guidelines? Oof, difficult question. Um, I'm really, really bad at that. Mm. Like to to tell the people that I need money for what I'm doing. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, if you're lucky, you have a booker that is doing this shit for you, you know. Right. <laughs> I think that's the best option that you can have. Yeah. And then what I started now is just saying, look, it costs this money. I think like in my head, okay, if I really have to drive there, I take the whole day off, I will rehearse, it costs at least this and this amount of money. Yeah. And I also check what's the venue. And then I will tell them, so this would be really cool for me if you can maybe also give me a bit of uh, money for the for the car, you know, for the gasoline or something. Yeah, yeah. And then I hear them, because sometimes they're so lovely people and they, they also don't have so much money, but I really would love to play there. And then I also can talk to them mm. and can say yes okay oh, we can make it a bit cheaper or oh no you have more money fantastic you know the other day I had a I talked talk to someone and this person was saying you know what the band after you gets much more money than you I'm gonna give you the same oh, <laughs> yeah. that's so good. I mean this is uh, almost like a fairy tale but it happened to me which was really really nice yeah <laughs> it takes that pressure off as well it was almost like you said quite a few things there so you said you look at the venue mm-hmm. and so is it about like the size and the capacity of the venue exactly right so then that could be maybe in relation to like ticket sales as well so like how much they're gonna make exactly right okay and also do they get subvention you know like for example Caserne in Basel uh, gets money from the from the city right. you know so they have more money than maybe another club the club next to here uh, yeah. my place my studio Humbug they, they don't get subventions so of course there would be much more flexible yeah. you know yeah and then you see uh, like your rehearsal time you see travel time yeah all these things that have to be t- like it, it's because I think sometimes it's difficult especially for new people starting out to go oh I charge this much. You know, what's the number? What's this golden number? But actually, if you break it down into like, okay, I have to get there. I have to rehearse. I have to do this. The venue's this size. It kind of helps, I think, build a better picture of what you could charge. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, that's one big part we forgot to, to mention now, which is uh, writing the music, mm. recording an album having uh, somebody who is putting the music out on the market for you. Um, you know, artwork, videos, it costs you easily 20,000 francs, yeah. easily. Yeah. And of course, this you also need to get in back, you know, and usually you do a production and then you go on tour and then anyhow the money comes back with sales and stuff. But yeah. the thing is, the sales are not happening anymore, as we all know. So it's basically only the concerts or maybe you get some foundations supporting you. 
So it's quite complex, I would say. Mm. But um, is if I would give an advice, it's really hey, ask people that are in the business that you know. If you don't know anybody, call Helvetia Rock. They're gonna help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, there is also like, okay, which status do you have? Are you a beginner? Nobody knows you. Then, uh, then maybe they don't pay you so so much. Mm -hmm. But if you're very famous, of course, they're gonna pay you more. There's many many yeah. little in indicators that you need to know about. On that note, thank you so much, Jasmine, for, for your time, for your space and for your conversation. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for coming and it was a big pleasure. Thank you. So your second song that we are going to listen on our way out. Can you introduce your second song for us? Yeah, I'm going to put Sync which is a song um, that is that means a lot to me. It's about the whole journey to Palestine and it's really the moment, the song is really the moment where I kind of healed. I, I mentioned before the Swiss and the Palestinian part, like they connect again and uh, yeah, they go together and the song is about this and we shot a video at the Dead Sea in Palestine, which is the most amazing place on earth. If you ever can go there, go. <laughs> so that's Sync. I only 
If you want to join the Helvetia Rocked community or find out more, check out the website, sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. And if you like what you've heard today, please share it with your friends. Musicians in Conversation is a concept by Natalia Anderson in collaboration with Helvetia Rocked. It's presented and produced by Natalia Anderson. Music is by Jesse Quartz.